You're listening to Pim Talk, the product marketing podcast, brought to you by InRiver. Welcome to PIM Talk, the podcast for product marketers, merchandisers, and PIM professionals. And every second Tuesday, we come together to share knowledge, experiences, and challenges to be able to create even better product stories. Maybe you're wondering what PIM is. PIM is a software that is all about managing all product marketing information in one place to create a rich customer experience in all channels and shorten time to market. And if you're new to PIM, check out our first episode, What is PIM? I'm your host, Thomas Schwabberg. I'm the creative director at InRiver, and we want to do this podcast for you and with you. So please contact us and tell us what topics you would like us to cover, what guests you would like to have on the show, or maybe you want to contribute in any way. So you can email us at pimtalk at inriver.com or send a message on Twitter at pimtalkpodcast. In these days when you are selling and marketing your products in more and more engagement points, you also need to keep track of how your products perform. And um, looking at what we call the digital shelf, how you present your products on your e-commerce, but also on other marketplaces and retailers, um, there's a lot of information that you could benefit from if you could get those metrics. And... Uh, someone that knows a lot about this is Mike from Profitero, and he's going to talk us through what we can learn about our products, how they perform, and things that insights that we can get so we can improve our product information. So um, let's get on with the talk. Today I'm very happy to have Mike Black from Profiteer as a guest here on PIM Talk. So welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks for having me, Thomas. It's great to be here. So could you just start to tell me a little bit about yourself and Profitero? Yes, yes. So I am Global Vice President of Marketing for Profitero. Uh, we are a e-commerce analytics company. And a uh, simple way of understanding what that means is you could kind of think about us as a Fitbit for your e-commerce business. We are basically helping brands measure the health and performance of their of their products across amazon.com, walmart.com and essentially any online retailer they're doing business on uh and including mobile apps. Uh and when we measure that, we are also giving brands actions. Uh what actions should they be taking to best optimize performance? And that could be everything from improving content to optimizing your in-stock rates. Uh but essentially, we're all about giving Giving brands a action plan for accelerating sales online. And um, one of the things that we've been able to do that we feel quite proud about is that when clients work with us, we're generally able to help them uh, identify opportunities to improve sales by 41% uh, on a monthly basis, looking at their Amazon performance. We're finding a lot of uh, opportunities that brands don't even know they have. Okay. It sounds really cool, but I mean, it sounds almost like magic. So, I mean, what kind of things can you see? What are you looking for when you measure the analytics and, and how does all of this work? Yeah, well, you know, a term that we use and a way to think about this is, you know, we use a terminology called the digital shelf, right? Every brand 
knows how important it is to stand out on the physical shelf in, in a shelf in a store. And, um, and, you know, for, for century, for a century, brands have been optimizing that with companies like Nielsen and IRI. Well, the same principle is true online. Um, whether it's pricing, your content, your ratings, all of the variables that a shopper sees when they search for a product online, that represents your digital shelf. And that is the battleground for where you need to optimize and win. And so what we do is we have an analytics solution that is monitoring all of these variables for you daily across all of the retailer websites that you care about. And we're automating insights to the teams that then need to take action, right? So a really good example of that would be, let's say, a supply chain team. Uh, every day, as you know, supply, being in stock is one of the fundamental things about e-commerce, e right? If you're not in stock, no one can buy. So every day, we have our customers are getting alerts that are informing them about which products are out of stock at which retailers. And then with that information, they can go take action. They could call their buyer and say, it's time to reorder. Or they could uh, go to their inventory team and say, we need to you know, forecast more demand. But those are examples um, in terms of how you can action the data. Yeah. So is this something that differs a lot, whether you get this feedback directly from from your your e-tailer or marketplace? So some of them might give you instant feedback, but others, they don't really have those routines or that technology in place? Or No, I mean, the, 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 the beauty of kind of the technology is, is um, all of the data that we're collecting from what we call the digital shelf is publicly available information. Um, on average, what we're looking at is we're collecting data for about 100 to 150 unique attributes. So if you look at all the attributes from content pricing, um, there's about 150 attributes that we're able to extract and put that into an actual platform. Now, what's interesting is to your point, I think what you find across retailers is some of those attributes may change. We know that Amazon allows for a lot of product images to be displayed, right? They're very robust in terms of how their shopper experience, whereas some retailers are less experienced. We're going to be able to capture whatever is showing there. Uh, in addition to that, actually give you a benchmark. Uh, so one of the questions, especially for brands that are thinking about content is, what what is good? What does good look like? So what we're going to be doing is measuring, you know, what kind of content is our competitors using? How many images? How many text? And what we're going to do is for that retailer to find a benchmark. And that gives you a map for understanding what good looks like for the content. Um, so that's just sort of an example of how we might be able to help take some of those unique attributes and put them into an actual you know plan for you. So, so you mentioned, of course, being on stock, uh, having the right pricing, competitive pricing, uh, images, and so on. Is there any other attributes that stands out that that are you know the most important ones to keep track of? Yeah, absolutely. So the way the way we think about it, it's almost uh, three areas that you have to optimize in the digital path. Uh, and you, the way the first is availability, right? You have to be in stock. You have to be there, and that's a function of monitoring your out of stock rates uh, and just making sure that when people go to buy, they're buy. Once you're in stock, you then want to drive traffic. And traffic has a huge impact, right? You want more eyeballs on your product pages. So therefore, what's really important is search placement. And one of the analytics that we provide is on a daily basis, we're going to show you where you're appearing in the search ranking for 
key search terms in your category. And are you appearing on page one? Are you paging on page two? And even if you're on page one, are you the top spot or the middle spot? All of those, every time you make a movement on a search page ranking, your sales are going to magnify significantly. And one of my favorite statistics, I like to say that if you're not on page one, you might as well be invisible. One of my favorite statistics is that we've measured, and if you can move a product from page two search results to page one, you can essentially double sales, right? So, so, so that's why search is such a big battleground and you're seeing, you know, Amazon, Walmart, Target, Kroger, everybody's getting into the business of offering sponsored keywords, right? So that's where traffic comes in. Conversion, however, I can drive all the traffic in the world to my page, but if I convert, if I don't convert, what's the point? Where's the ROI? And that's where the three levers come in there. Content, as we know, very important because that is the value proposition. Ratings and reviews, right? That's where I get the belief that this is worth buying. And the last is pricing. Pricing has a massive impact on conversion, as you can imagine. So we like to think of this as almost a wheel worth availability, traffic, and conversion. If you can think about your performance on those three dimensions and optimize against those three dimensions, you will, you know, you'll, you'll maximize your sales and your market share. So to focus in about the content, uh, what kind of content is the most important today in order to, to, to really you know, target those buyers and get them to, to uh, convince them to, to do the purchase? Yeah. So good content really comes down to, I think, anything that communicates your value proposition or tells your story, right? Because it is almost what we consider to be your digital package design in a way, right? When you go to a store, you can pick up a product, you can read that product, you can learn, and you're communicating experience through that package design. Well, we don't have that uh, digitally. But what you do have is actually a lot more space to communicate your product, right? You could have seven images, eight images, videos, great text. So I think it starts with just any, you know, what what are we, what's the value proposition and how we bring that to life? Now, going a step further, we have done some measurement and we have some research that we've done looking at the impact that um, changing and improving content variables can have on traffic, conversion, and sales. And we found some interesting things. Probably the most important thing you can do to a new product is add more images. Right. Um, and what we have found that by adding more images on average, you can increase your conversion rates by 90%. Okay, so that's a massive increase, right? The next thing we found is video. So we're hearing we're hearing a lot from retailers even encouraging their brands to add more video. Um, that actually is also having a pretty imp- big impact. It's actually increasing conversion by fifty one percent when you have videos, right? And then finally, uh, one of the we you know a lot of sites offer what's called considered enhanced content. So below the fold content, it almost looks like an advertisement. Um, Amazon has A plus content. Surprisingly, what we found was when we looked across products that added A plus content, um, conversion rate only increased by five percent. Traffic increased by twenty percent. So something interesting there uh, with A plus content. What that tells me that if you really want to optimize conversion, your first first place you should look is images, then video, and A plus content is is having a traffic impact. We think because it, it's informing the algorithm that Amazon uses to to to, to place products in high. So so that's some of the impact that you can see on average. And I don't know if that would impact the organic search as well. If you have more editorial content and maybe more unique content around the, your products, that that might be a, a factor as well. I don't know. 
Another thing, I mean, when, when a, a company they uh, start using uh, your solution to, to you know get that analytics and get that insight into the digital uh, shelf, what is their reaction? Is there something that surprises them that you know is a real eye opener? Because I mean, measuring all of these things, it must have been a lot of things that they haven't had access to before that suddenly you know is at their fingertips yeah it really begins i think the aha moment comes with benchmarking right you know you tend to look at your online performance at least initially almost in isolation in a vacuum you know you start you start sort of um adding products to amazon and retailers and then you then you're optimizing them but then when you step back and you look at what you're doing in a competitive context it changes it, right? And there's two ways that we, we restart an engagement with a client. On Amazon, what we're able to do is we're actually able to estimate sales for your competitors and estimate market share. So right off the bat, what you're going to learn is you may think you're growing, doing pretty well. Uh, but when you start looking at statistics like category growth rate or market share, now you have a competitive context. We, we almost call it, we call it the scoreboard. And you start to say, well, we thought we were doing great, but we're doing about average. We want to do better, right? So that's the first aha. That sets the, why should you care? Like, what, what do we want to go after? The second, kind of ahas when you start benchmarking some of these variables and the content is is usually the first one we look at and what we're able to do is start looking at okay which of your products are seeing low conversion let's dig into that and start to identify how is your content benchmarking against competitors in your space one of my favorite stories um is about a large you know uh, global pet brand that we worked with. And one of the first things we did for them was to show them that they were trailing the category when it came to the number of images they had, the number of videos they had, and just A-plus content. And when they saw that, they hired an agency and they took the priority SKUs and they started to optimize that. What they were able to see as a result of that is over a period of time, month, month or a couple months, they saw that they were growing 66% faster for those products than the category, right? So so that is just one example. But we see this impact on conversion um, uh, content as one of the first gateways into really starting to fire on all cil- cylinders. Yeah, because, I mean, if you have a, a huge assortment of products, maybe you have tens of thousands pr- products out there, and, and you see that you have these things that you, that you need to, you know, start, um, improving. I mean, it, sometimes it can be overwhelming, I guess. So, so you need to make sure that you take the 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 right actions, the most profitable actions, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, one, uh, you know, that it, you hit, you really hit the nail on the head. It's, it's really about prioritization, right? Where you know, e-commerce is still maturing, and we find that a lot of companies are operating in lean. You know, they may have one person in charge of e-commerce, and so what they, you know, they need to really define what's that winnable space. What can I influence and attack? And that's why benchmarking can really help. The other thing that can really help, and this is something that we are now doing as of a month a month ago, is actually using um, traffic and conversion performance as a way to prioritize. So one of the things we're able to do is give you an estimate of actual traffic that your product pages are getting on Amazon. And we're giving you a estimated conversion rate for your products. So why would that be helpful? Well, now I can look at my portfolio 
portfolio and segment it. I could look at products that are getting high traffic. So people are viewing it, but they have low conversion. If I can increase the conversion rate by a couple percentage points through content or promotion, that could have a massive impact, right? And that might be my first attack area. On the flip side, I might find that we have a high converting product that isn't getting any visibility. So what I, what should I do? Well, I'm going to prioritize putting my ad spending on those products. So when it's really all about having like the more granular you can get at an item level to understand performance and you can really dig into what will move the needle, then it really becomes an easier thing to put your arms around. Yeah. Sounds like there's a lot of opportunities here to go after, right? Yep, absolutely. You're listening to Pim Talk, the product marketing podcast. And after this short break, we're going to continue talk to Mike Black at Profitero about how we can analyze the digital shelf in order to get insights and increase conversions rates on our products. PIM stands for Product Information Management, and InRiver stands for PIM. Want to learn more about how your organization can benefit from PIM software? We've put together a free white paper where you can learn what you need to know about how your e-commerce platform can benefit from PIM. Go to www.pimtalk.com to download a free guide to help you better understand how PIM can work for you. That's www.pimtalk.com. So another thing that, that we have discussed before here and that touches both what, what we are doing and what you're doing, it's it's kind of fun because when we look at what, what you are doing, it's evident that you need to work on your content and that is what you do with, with the PIM system. But when you do with the PIM system in order to know what you're going to focus on, as you say, you also want to, to get that feedback, see how it performs in the channels and so on. And I know you, you have talked about the content management cycle, so maybe you can... Uh, elaborate a little bit around that. Yeah. So content management cycle is really um, what we would call almost like a closed loop way of measuring and optimizing performance for content. And it, you know, uh, it starts with benchmarking. Like I said, understanding what does good look like that gives me a roadmap for how I should go proceed to develop my content for the products that matter. Then you start developing that content uh, and then the biggest challenge then is we have all this great content. I need to make sure that it's out there correctly every single day. And that's where the power of syndication comes in um, and where PIM solutions can really help. Um, and then once you do that, you're starting to um, get a feedback loop on how that's performing. Right. You're looking at metrics like traffic and conversion on Amazon sales. You're starting to get a feedback loop that can then inform what do we do next? Do we, what products do we focus on next? What do we try next? And that's all feeding back into a syndication solution, a PIM that can continuously push that out. Uh, and it just becomes this uh, continuous improvement cycle. It's not linear. Uh, but the most important thing is that if you, you know, if you just start putting content out there, you've sort of, uh, it, you've kind of gone maybe a step too far. You got to first determine what is good content for my category and then push that out and then keep, keep optimizing that. Um, and I think the other part is even if you do syndicate, you know, there's a lot of variables. There's things that happen. It's good to have an analytic solution that can verify on a daily basis that the right content is showing up. And it just, you know, again, just get, helps you maximize the value of the investment you're making in a PIM solution. 
So you, you talked a little bit about it when when it was the content, but b- besides that, what what trends have you seen the 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 last years here, or or can you see something that is going on right now? What's happening in the market here? Yeah, so when I joined Profitero two years ago, I was pretty much an e-commerce novice. Uh, I, I you know shopped on Amazon, but it's been fascinating in two years just to see the themes that are emerging in some of the focus areas. Um, there are two that stand out to me. The, the the first one is what I'll call it sort of the evolution of retailers as media companies. And what I mean by that is essentially, um, you know, if you look at what Amazon, Walmart.com, Target are doing, even Kroger, they are becoming media companies on their platform, right? And Amazon is probably one of the most powerful marketing platforms you now have as a brand because you can purchase sponsored ads, you can purchase A-plus content, you can do things with fine campaigns. And essentially, they're giving you all these marketing tools that allow you to get an edge. And why I think that's fascinating is, and, and one statistic's really interesting from a study by Feed Advisor is that on average now, brands are spending about forty to $100,000 a month on sponsored advertising, right? What what what's interesting about that is now I think it changes, it raises the stakes. And I think what you're going to see is this convergence of marketing into e-commerce. And I'm seeing these roles pop up, which more and more is called e-commerce marketing. And and I think what why it raises the stakes is because if you're going to be spending money, that much money on driving traffic, you're going to really have to make sure you're getting the best investment on the bottom of the funnel which is the conversion, right? So it's going to be even more important to have the fundamental things in place. Uh, but I just find it really fascinating that these platforms have become such marketing engines from just traditional, just being a retailer site. From being a shopping cart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. From being a shopping cart, right? To yeah. essentially, a, you know, a marketing platform. Yeah. The other trend I'd say is, you know, the unsung hero I've seen, and I think you'll see this more and more is, you know, as you as you see Amazon's um, earnings statements, you'll see more and more of them talking about profitability, right? And I think um, they're going to be rewarded more for being profitable and, and advertising certainly driving that. But, you know, they've been doing a lot to help bring down the cost of them doing business. And I think that's had a downward impact on on brands. So, you know, what I'm seeing is just how critically important supply chain is to the equation um, and having an efficient way of packaging your products, shipping your products to Amazon so you so they can be more profitable and you see a reward you see brands reward from that. So it's almost like building your funnel upside down. Most people think of driving traffic, but actually really it might be starting with profitability. What are my most profitable SKUs for my retailer to sell? Once I define that, then let me build out the execution because I know those will be the products that succeed in the long run. And those will be the ones that Amazon will not delist. Uh, those will be the ones Amazon will rest. Ra- so I, I, I kind of see this trend and I see brands doing it now. And I, I predict that supply chain and revenue management might be the next to marketing might be the three most important functions uh, that will connect into e-commerce. And you have just released a new ebook called the e-commerce toy story. So could you just share a, a few of the takeaways from that? Yeah. So, you know, we've been, we do research, uh, 
probably every quarter we do a deep dive into a particular category or vertical that we we find interesting from an online perspective. And we started to look at toys, mostly because we were sort of interested, uh, as you know, Toys R Us uh, sort of went defunct. And we were sort of curious to know, like, what does a post-Toys R Us world look like? So what we did is we, we did some research. We did some consumer research. And a um, couple of key things sort of emerged. One it, to us is... You know, the, the Amazon is filling the spot, you know, where Toys R Us was before. A large amount of that sales is going to uh, Walmart, but Amazon is really becoming, we think, the go-to destination for consumers in the toy category. Um, you know, when shopping for toys online, 77% of U.S. consumers are starting their search on Amazon. Uh, 70% in the UK. So, you know, Amazon is in, I think, cemented themselves in the mind of the toy shopper as the place to go first, which is a powerful, powerful lever. The other thing is just, I, you know, categories mature differently in terms of adoption of online. Grocery, for example, as we know, still a small percent of sales go online. It just hasn't matured, but toys is super mature right now. You know, it's actually the primary way people are shopping. We found that in the UK, 70% of shoppers and toys are using online as the primary way and about 50% in the 56% in the US. So the category is really shifted as an online first. And then I think the last one I, I thought was sort of interesting. It, you know, I think about, when I was a kid, I used to love going to Toys R Us, mostly because I could play with all these toys without buying them, right? I could pick them up, I could feel them, I could touch them. What's sort of interesting is um, that is, you know, that that's become less important to shoppers. And in fact, what we, you know, I was sort of surprised. We expected a large number of shoppers to research online, but still buy in store. But in reality, what we find is only 16% of consumers are doing that. Now we can sit home and, and look at the unboxing videos and see someone else play with the <laughs> toys instead. Absolutely, right? And that just reinforces the power of content, right? When you have really good content, you can overcome that hurdle of having to go online. And I think, you know, if you look at what does that mean for traditional retailers, you know, that might have been the only differentiator they had. And if, if we're at a, a flexion point where that no longer is, it's not surprising that Toys R Us went out of business. And, and it just reinforces, I think, uh, for, for all retailers, this is need to be omni-channel. And I think, I mean, what you're talking about there, I, I think uh, that is something that, you know, a lot of things, um, <laughs> even going outdoors and, uh, you know, uh, barbecuing a hot dog competes with the, the iPads and the phones and, and the, the Netflix and, and all the other entertainment that is so, you know, uh, yeah, just at your fingertips and you get the dopamine and you, you play your games and all of that. So, so going to the, the toy store and playing with the toys, it hasn't that, you know, wow thing anymore uh, yep. it's when you're playing your online games and you you find some loot in in fortnite and and that yeah. you know gives you the <laughs> the kick yeah exactly and, and i think it does tie back to what you said about content like you know uh, content is 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 really important like you see some of the toy brands like nerf does a really you know nerf as a brand does a really good job of bringing that experience to life, even when you go to the, some of their pages, right? Like you, you see even incorporating videos on your product page that are showing people playing with the toys and, um, and, and making that part of the experience that, that goes a long way, I think, to, to differentiating your brand 
online. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's not just about adding a video. It's a, it's what kind of video do you add? Yeah, and it's probably room and, and a lot to do when it comes to engagement and inviting the, the kids to be co-creators of, of uh, toys and, and other things as well. I mean, Lego has been very good in, in doing that uh, and uh, be interesting to see uh, the, the future when it comes to, to that as well. All right, but thank you so much, Mike. It's been super interesting to uh, to hear about you and what you do with e-commerce analytics. And uh, I mean, we will um, definitely do more pieces together. And uh, I recommend for you, if you haven't uh, looked into Profit Hero, their service, or uh, also their different white papers that they have put out there uh, around content analytics and now the, the e-commerce toy story, uh, check it out. And uh, see you around, Mike. All right. Thanks, Thomas. We will have an event in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in US on July 31st about how to jumpstart your digital transformation. So it's in the afternoon. You can read more about it on the event page at our website. We will also be on an event in the Netherlands on September 10th about how the future world of PIM will impact the customer's behavior. And will meet us at Episerver SN in Denmark on September 12th. And on the webinar Rethinking Localization 2020 for Manufacturers that we are doing with our partner LanguageWire on September 17th. Uh, we also have our big event in the Americas, Pinpoint Americas 2019 on September 18th. So make sure that you have marked that in your calendar. And to look a bit ahead to next year, we have, of course, Pinpoint Summit here in Malmö, Sweden as well. So mark it in your calendars, April 1st and 2nd, 2020. It's time for Pinpoint in EMEA again. So hope you see you in some of these events. Thank you for listening. For feedback, tips and questions, you can email us at pimtalk at or message us at pimtalkpodcast at Twitter. Please, if you like the show, go into iTunes and give us a good review. And if you would like to see some behind the scenes material, bloopers and live streams, you can follow Pimtalk on Instagram. See you again in two weeks. Bye. Ah!